We may live over 5,000 miles from Lincoln Financial Field, but what we lack in proximity, we make up for in film study. And each and every week, we will be bringing you in-depth film breakdowns from across the pond and in the Sooner State. Welcome to On the Shane Page. I'm your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaneHalfNFL. And I'm joined by BGN's own Johnny Page. Give him a follow at JohnnyPage9. Johnny, how are you doing this evening? I guess we've got to start by saying Happy New Year. Uh, it was not the best uh, introduction to the New Year from the Eagles, was it? Um, I said this to you off air, but this was one of the first games I've ever not watched properly before watching the All-22. So I was out at a family dinner on New Year's, had the game off on my phone, trying not to throw my plate of food over everyone as, as anger. And then my phone battery's dying, so I'm having to like... It was all going wrong. It was all going wrong. So I actually hadn't seen all the plays. I didn't bother watching it until the All-22. This was a weird one because there were certain players I hadn't seen before I studied them, which is unusual for me. Um, I don't know if that changes the way I analyze it, but I happen to have this week off work as well. So this was the game that I could really focus on. So I've spent way too many hours on this game, Shane, like way too many hours. <laughs> so I have a lot of takes. I think they're all rational, but they're not all positive. Um, but yeah, it was one of the weirdest games I mean, I've ever studied because I've never seen a side of the ball in my time of watching the year 22, which is probably about 10 years at this point. I don't think I've seen a defense look that bad ever. So, um, yeah, there we go. Uh, not the most positive start to 2024, but the good news is can't get worse. I, I, I strongly do not think the defense can actually get worse because I think they may have hit rock bottom, um, even though they had a pick six of 99 yards, which is incredible to say that, isn't it? Um, but I can't foresee a worse performance. But I may regret that because um, I guess there's always room for <laughs> improvement to get even worse. Well, per Benjamin Solak, who people that listen to our show probably remember listening to back in the day, this was the Eagles' worst defensive performance by success rate in 17 years. So wow, there you go. So pretty bad. Uh, a couple of notes here before we dive in. First of all, Johnny, we got to get you one of those pocket chargers for your phone so this doesn't happen to you again. Uh, you need just the little the little USB battery charger you can stick in your pocket. Uh, must have for family outings during football season. Uh, secondly, this wasn't really you know the start of the new year. It was more like sending off 2023. Uh, so the game played on New Year's Day. That means every time this week I've referenced the game, I've always said last year's loss to the Cardinals instead of this week's. It just feels better to say it that way. So that is what we're going to do. We're going to break down the Eagles loss from last year against the Cardinals. And then we're going to leave the past in the past. But we'll start with the defense where, Johnny, you mentioned this on Twitter, but it's true. The last time I was this frustrated with a defensive performance, Sean Desai got fired and people DM'd us saying that we had something to do with it. So we'll see how this goes. Um, I'll start us off here uh, with my first defensive point. And I want to talk about the pass rush. And I want to talk about why the pass rush is losing. And there's a lot of things that go into that. I'll show a few examples. One of the things that's really nice uh, in that we have some extra time. This was actually a Sunday game. We actually had normal prep time for this podcast. I've got clips for everything. It's going to be great. But issue number one, just schematically, it's dropping edge defender. Like Brandon Graham dropped into coverage on 15% of his pass snaps which is three out of 21. So three times, but 15%. Hassan Reddick dropped 23%, seven out of 30. And, and Nick Sirianni talked about being predictable. They do that so they're not predictable. 
for all the good it does having these guys drop into coverage, you might as well just have them do cartwheels. The quarterback might at least like be like, whoa, what's going on there? They, they are not good in coverage. Now, Brandon Graham did have one rep where he dropped into coverage, and it's actually the first one I'm going to show here. Um, or no, it's, actually, it's the second one I'm going to show, but there's some other issues. Uh, on this play, this is the play where Milton Williams gets the sack of Kyler Murray, and this is a great play. The problem is ball's out, and Milton Williams is jumping up to celebrate. He doesn't realize the ball came out. Like, And I don't want to like kill Milton Williams for this, but it plays into my theme here of there being some tremendously individual focused players on this pass rush. And so here's another example. We've got Hassan Reddick right here. Brandon Graham is actually going to drop into coverage on the linebacker. And so it's a four man rush. Kyler Murray's right-handed. He's mobile. If he is going to roll out, you want to make him go left. It's the same thing on Jalen hurts, right? But I want you to watch Hassan Reddick as this one plays out. Watch his rush angle as he's going to get engaged and then he's going to try to shed inside. And that's just something you cannot do. Like right here, keep pushing to that outside. Don't give Kyler Murray room to escape. Right. But he tries to jump inside inexplicably. And he opens up this room for Kyler Murray to scramble. Now, Brandon Graham's going to do a great job of running this down and forcing him out of bounds, but rush lane integrity has been an issue all year. Uh, you've got situations like this where just play your responsibility. And even if you don't get a sack, it's going to make a difference in this play. And then just another example, this time you have Josh Sweat is going to win and he has an opportunity to sack Kyler Murray and he doesn't get him on the ground. And Kyler Murray breaks loose. Now, Kyler Murray is obviously fantastic at this, makes an incredible throw. Uh, that really couldn't be covered much better by the linebacker. That's just an incredible throw and a catch. It's just so many things like, yes, the pass rush isn't as good as you would hope it would be, but when they get opportunities, it's not capitalizing as well. And so the Eagles have invested too much in terms of draft capital and, and contracts in the pass rush for it not to be taking over games. It's unrealistic for them to expect it to take over games as much as they do, but they're really not doing anything. I think it's four sacks in the last three games combined. And it, I think it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, a vicious cycle that as they don't make plays, they become more desperate to make plays. And you see things like Hassan Reddick trying to shed inside and not keeping his contain, and it leads to more explosive plays for the offense. So that's my first thing, pass rush. We're dropping guys into coverage we shouldn't be. And you've got guys playing as individuals. And I'm not saying they're selfish players but they're playing as individuals to try to make plays when nothing's working and it's compounding that problem. Yeah. I think actually I was going to come in on that and talk a little bit about the dropping into coverage, but I think I can actually tie that in with my first point as well. So the first thing I was going to talk about this week was just the pass defense in general, um, which was, I mean, abysmal this week. And there's a really good example of what you're on about Shane. So I actually, I, I think I disagree slightly with some people on this. I don't mind dropping edges into coverage as much as others. I know some people are just against it full stop. Like they never want to see Hassan Reddick drop ever. And, and I and I get that. Uh, my view on it is actually that, well, it can be unpredictable at times. And actually what it can do is it can make an offensive line slide to a certain direction. And then you get one-on-one -on -one matchups on the other side. That actually happened on that Josh Sweat. Um, if you can play that one again, actually, Shane, I don't know if you've got it up, but on the Josh Sweat missed uh, sack, one of the reasons why he was able to win was because he was one-on-one, -on -one, Davis was one-on-one, -on -one, and Carter was one-on-one. -on -one. 
And one of the reasons why they were actually one-on-one was because if you see Hassan Reddick, he's uh, actually looking like he's going to rush and they slide right. And then they end up getting three one-on-one matchups on the other side. They end up doubling almost like Jalen Carter as an edge defender, which is probably not what they want to do in that situation. Um, the problem is like individually, Jordan Davis is one-on-one. Like, I know you're not a pass rusher, but you need something. Like, so I don't mind dramatically dropping edge defenders, but there's a very big difference in this example where Reddick drops and where the example I want to start with that shows you why, one of the reasons why the, how badly the rush has been. So two examples. Uh, firstly, um, play six on my uh, film thread. And if you happen to be on Twitter, which is listening to this, uh, if you go on my defensive film thread, play six. Um, this is not an unpredictable. If you pause it here, Shane, when the player's lined up, right? Hassan Reddick is lined up. He's not even lined up on the line of scrimmage. Like, he might, he's basically the apex defender there. Like, he might as well be a slot cornerback. If, if you look at the pre-snap lineup, the safety is, what, 15 yards behind him? There's no way that Hassan Reddick is rushing there. And if Hassan Reddick does rush there, Kalamari just checks it straight down to the receiver because there's nobody there. So I don't really see a point how that play can ever work. Like, that's not unpredictable. And if it is unpredictable and Hassan Reddick does actually blitz, Kyler's got, I mean, like 15 yards of cushion between the receiver and the safety. So that's really bad. And that's to do with their pass defense being bad. And it links to your point. And the second thing that links to your point is they're to not be, using, sorry, yeah, go for it. Real quickly, to be fair, the Eagles may not be aware that if a guy lined up over a receiver blitzes, that you can just throw the ball to him <laughs> five yards downfield. That may not have ever crossed their mind before, but that's jumping ahead to the offense. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, we'll get into that as well. And then play five on my uh, film, Fred is another example of why I don't think the pass rush is good is that the coaches are just doing really dumb things about putting players in the best situation. So on this play, you've got Nicholas Moreau lined up as an edge defender, and you've got Hassan Reddick lined up as sort of like an A-gap linebacker, off-ball linebacker, whatever you want to call him. Like, and I'm watching this, and I'm trying to, as I always say, rationalize the why. And I'm wondering, is he spying Kyler Murray? Because Reddick's a great athlete, but he's not really spying him. He just looks like he can't really rush like Hassan Reddick is lots of things. He is not a good pass rusher from an off-ball linebacker over the A gap. Is it like that is not what Hassan Reddick is good at? He is a bend the edge guy. I mean, look at look at Nicholas Moreau's rush here. Like, what's the point? That's a running back that takes him. What's the point? Get Moreau in coverage, as we've said for weeks. Stop rushing five. Stop sending enough rusher. I'm dry. so not only does Hassan Reddick drop into coverage, Shane, on what you said, twenty-five percent ish of the snaps. This is another snap where he's not lining up on the edge. So now you're probably looking at about. 30 plus percent of his snaps where he's actually lining up on the edge of the defense so and i said this in my article and by the way 2000 words it's already been published this week so by the time you're listening to this a 2000 words i wrote shane this week on this defense it drove me that insane um pass rush and coverage are tied together the eagles pass rushes are not suddenly horrendous but they're not being used in correct uh ways and the other issue is shane which links back to my main point is that the pass defense is so bad, the rushers are not having any time to get home. So everyone has seen these clips. I almost don't even need to show them, but we'll bring them up on screen for those watching. If you look at um, plays two and three on my film, Fred Shane, so I use these two as an example, but I could have used others. Like the first one is third and four, and I think it's Eli Ricks is like 15 yards out. They just throw a simple out route, and it's the easiest catch you'll ever see. Pre-snap is obvious. Like it's one of the easiest conversions you'll ever get. Granted, it's a good throwing catch. Um, but they're lined up 15 yards off the ball on third and four. And we've said this for weeks. And in fact, I put this in my article this week, Shane. So you probably haven't even read this yourself because it came out literally about 10 minutes before recording. So I said, at what point 
that we start talking about Nick Sirianni when it comes to the defence. Because the only reason I can assume they are lined up like this, because I say this every week, coaches are not idiots. They've got jobs. There's lots of smart people in that room, believe it or not. Doesn't look like it at the moment, but there are. Um, who know the game of football, who have been football coaches in this league for, before. It must be to do with preventing explosive plays. If it's not, then they're just idiots. But I struggle to believe that is a real concept. These guys are paid professionals at their jobs. Um, it must be the idea that risk-reward is if we put sort of Eli Ricks up the line of scrimmage and he gets burned for a 50-yard throw, we'd rather give up the short play on third and four. And a lot of people blame Jonathan Gannon for that. And I'm sure Gannon had some say in it. But we've now seen it under Gannon. We've seen it under Sean Desire. And we've seen it under Matt Patricia. The defence just plays off on obvious passing situations. Um, if you look at play three as well, Shane, last one, and then we'll go on to our next point. I mean, this is so bad. It's like the Cardinals motion a running back across the formation. Two Eagles defenders start running with him. Um, I don't want to pick on individual Shane. I didn't do it much in the article, so I'm going to say it now, and I'm not really going to say it again. But Avante Maddox was truly horrendous in this game. It was his first game back from injury so i'm not worried overly worried about it as long if he can get back over time then fine but when they motion him out there's basically very very obviously pre-snap it's man coverage like it's very clear so kadamari's looking going oh there's literally one defender lined up opposite the slot wide receiver and it's reed blankenship and he's he's 12 yards deep he's 12 13 yards deep like this is as easy as it gets on third and six it doesn't get any easier as a defense you cannot and I genuinely mean this. Like, you can't play this much worse. A kid on Madden just hitting cover one robber and just pressing whatever you press, L1, downstick on the R. I haven't played Madden for a few years, as you might be able to tell, and put press coverage on. Like, I could literally run that play and it'd be better than this. It's just, it's so, so basic. Um, this Eagles defense is going to go absolutely nowhere this year unless they can figure out the basics. And I can't help but feel like this might be a discussion around their focus on explosive plays again, because otherwise I've got nothing. Like, I don't understand. When the running back is motioned here, there needs to be a trigger. And this is coaching. This is fundamental defense that Reed Blankenship is told right. Because in this situation, I understand why he's in off. Because it's not guaranteed to be man coverage. It could be zone coverage. Uh, also, you don't want two man defenders, like, both up on the line of scrimmage, because we know you can get uh, done by things like slant flat, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't mind one being off and one being on the line of scrimmage here. But when that guy moves in motion and you're staring one-on-one -on -one with a wide receiver, either Reed Blankenship is not listening to what the coaches are telling him or they're not telling him. But we see it so frequently every week with so many different players. It makes you feel like it's just not something that's being taught. Like they don't have answers to a basic motion. Um, and it, and it's, it's depressing in so many ways. But the pass coverage was horrendous. Honestly, go and look at my clip. I could put a lot more out there. And I would actually get to a few more from when I get to my second point. Um, but it really doesn't get a great deal uh, worse. Um, this is I've, a bit random, Shane, but you're going you're gonna to talk run defense now, aren't you? Uh, before, uh, Yeah, well, yeah, that's so my third what, point. So I'll tell you what we'll do. Do you have anything else to add on this? And then I might throw it back to my second point because I think it's linked. Is there anything you wanted to say, though, before I get into my second about just how bad the pass coverage was, and in particular on third down in general? Yeah, just that... I know, like watching all 22, you lose track of what down it is. And I've said this before, but I know this is a third down because you've got a linebacker on the line of scrimmage that's going to bail out into coverage. And you've got two high safeties and you're going to rotate to single high, just like the Eagles do every single third down. Like we want to talk about predictability. 
this is the most predictable aspect of the Eagles defense. Third down, they're going to put linebackers on the line of scrimmage that will not rush. They're going to show too high and spin it to one high every single time. Like it's every single time. And so uh, I was just going to point that out since we were on a third down clip here, because that's the biggest tendency. You want to talk about predictability. That's it. Yeah. And it's mind numbingly boring watching them play the same thing every single time. Um, but that's what they do. Um, my second thing I want to talk about is, and I don't know whether to, I mean, I'm, I called it confusion, coaching, fundamentals. You could call it a number of different things. But you rarely watch a game, Shane, in week 17, where so many players are confused. Like, I'm watching so many, and I don't know if the change, the desire to Patricia is bigger than we think behind the scenes, and they're starting to run different concepts. I know they've got some injuries, and some of these players are new, like Shaq Leonard's relatively new. But it's not, like, dramatic. Like, a lot of those players have been there all year. Like, I know Avante Maddox has been hurt, but he's been injured. He should still be in the meeting rooms. He should still be not understanding the playbook. He should have an understanding, roughly. Um, sometimes, like, you can tell a story through two plays. So this is really great podcasting because I can show you, Shane, the first play of the game and oh the gosh. last play of the game on defense. So it's a nice little story, isn't it? If you go to literally clip one of my uh, film, Fred, like what on earth is this? So the Cardinals are under center. They've got a fullback. They run play action bootleg. It's a very nice play. They tight end blocks and then leak to the flat. It's a play that people have been running in football for years. Like it's a very nice play. They could get five, 10 yards. It could be a nice play. The Eagles linebackers look like they've never seen play action in their life. Avante Maddox is so confused between his responsibility as a, I think he's in the C gap here as a run defender, possibly. He's like so concerned about his fit in the run that he's just completely forgotten that he's also covering the flat. If they, in this sort of, I think it's like a fire zone. I think it might be a, a cover free type look. Kyler Murray floor. is throwing the ball and Avante Maddox is still playing the run. I know. In fact, no, it's not a fire zone. Is it? It's just straight out of cover free. I think they're only rushing four. Like, what is sorry like this is the first part of the game and i tweeted this and i knew it would get a few likes straight away because i saw i think john stonis which does a great job for bg and a number of other things just pointed out it looks like the linebackers have never played football before like i know people talk about shaq leonard being bad athletically but this is not just athletically this is like what are we what are we doing here maddox is horrendous but it just looks like comical and then we go to the last play of the game can so we also yeah, just point it. out that this is a mobile quarterback under center executing play action and the impact it has on the defense. Like Kyler Murray was under center a lot in this game. There's something to be said for sometimes putting your quarterback under center and giving him a straight handoff or a straight play action instead of making him read things out on RPOs and things like that. Every other snap out of shotgun. And also um, while we're on this point, this is not like the Eagles have been dominated by the run all game. This is the first play. So I understand it if you've been battered by the running game and it's the second quarter and it's eight yards, six yards, seven, and you're thinking, right, I'm not letting this play. I get that. It's the first play of the game. Like, the first play. And then we go to the very, very last play on defense. And to be honest, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the way the Eagles defend this play. James Connor scores a touchdown. Like, he's on, what, the two-yard line. Like, sometimes running backs bundle it in for two yards. Like, Kevin Byard could make a tackle. James Bradbury could make a tackle. It's not the end of the world. Like, it's not the worst play I've ever seen. Forget the actual play. Just ignore the play, right? Just watch the Eagles defenders pre-snap. Like, no one has any idea what is going on. Sidney Brown doesn't. Patrick Johnson doesn't. There's someone else running around in circles. Like, Reed Blankenship's got no idea. If you then watch the actual play happen, Blankenship and uh, Eli Ricks both run to the right when there's only one guy in motion. I think Sidney Brown also follows the motion. So you get, like, three defenders 
follow it it's just a simple motion like it's just a wide receiver running across the formation like one player follow him and everyone else focus on the job at hand and unfortunately when there's that many people that are confused and it's that obvious on film you have to go back to coaching and when i say coaching people sometimes think we're just talking about matt patricia and sean desire i'm talking about everyone like there's defensive line coaches linebackers coaches there's defensive assistants there's there's a lot of people involved in the coaching staff and the players just look ill-prepared so I think whatever you want to say about Desire, whatever you want to say about Patricia, like it's everyone on defense. It's fundamentally bad at the moment. The coaching must be bad because the players are not playing well. The Eagles have a huge talent issue on defense. We know they suck at linebacker. Like we know they have weaknesses at safety, uh, but it's not this bad. It's not so bad that you can't stop an Arizona Card- Cardinals offense that really has a decent young receiver, a good quarterback, and a good tight end, and a decent running game. It's not like the best offense the world's ever seen. Um, Fundamentally, the defense looks broken, and that's on every single person in that building. That's on Sirianni. That's on the defensive coordinator. That's on the individual coaches. And we say it every week, but they basically got about two weeks to drastically figure something out. Um, And we'll talk about that a little bit after our points. Um, But it was embarrassingly bad how often players were confused. Uh, on defense I couldn't quite believe how many times and this is something you see when you watch Eagles 22 as well you just see players talking to each other like before the snap there was a play as well which I haven't even clipped up but like Nicholas Barrow is just not ready like he's still having a discussion about with somebody about and then the play the ball snaps and then he suddenly looks up as like oh and it happens frequently not once every other week like frequently we said this for a while but this game in particular the players just look really really lost and and if you think everything bad we've said, or everything's been bad so far, I don't even think we've got into the worst thing, Shane. <laughs> because yeah. the Eagles' run defense was even worse than their pass defense was in this game. It was easily the worst part. So is there anything else you want to add on uh, the pass defense before we get into some of the run and tackling stuff? Um, and I'll let you start on that. Yeah, there, there was an, I was skimming through my clips to see if I had it, and I don't. But there was another play where Kevin Byard is literally like shoving Nicholas Morrow in a direction. Like he's trying to get him somewhere and he's not like getting it. And he literally like pushes him before the snap to get him out there. I couldn't find it, but yeah, I guess I can tie in tackling with fundamentals here because the Eagles, the Eagles tackling is atrocious and you can be a defense that struggles. And if you tackle, you can still be okay. The Eagles missed 13 tackles in this game. Per PFF, this is all PFF numbers. Uh, that they had a missed tackle percentage of thirteen point eight percent. Josh Sweat missed three of ten tackle attempts. Milton Williams two of five. Reed Blankenship two of thirteen. Jack Leonard two of six. Nolan Smith one of two. Avante Maddox one of four. Kevin Byard one of twelve. James Bradbury one of two. And it's not a single game issue. They missed eleven and a half percent of their tackles against Seattle. 13.1% against San Francisco. Now they had good tackling games against the Giants and against the Cowboys. It just seems to like go back and forth game to game, but I just got one play to really show this. This is a 5-7, 175-pound receiver named Greg Dortch breaking three tackles, getting like 25 yards after the catch. So look at this. We're catching the ball at what, the 32-yard line? There's missed tackle one. There's missed tackle two. Missed tackle number three. 
and we get all the way down to the six yard line. So that's what 26 yards after the catch. I mean, that's just not good enough. It's not good enough at all. This isn't, you know, this isn't, I was trying to think of like a super elusive receiver. I I'm just blanking right now. It's Greg Dortch. I, I knew his name before this game. Cause I'm a draft nut. Most people watching this game didn't know half the Cardinals fans might not know this guy's name. Uh, and he's doing things like this to your entire defense. That's just unconscionable. You can't do that. You cannot. I don't care how good your defense is playing, how good your scheme is. If you walk out and tackle like that, you will lose. And so we can have conversations, which we're certainly open to about players or about coaches, but at a certain point, players just aren't executing either. Yeah, I say this in nearly every single article, Shane, that I'm a scheme geek. Like, I love it. Like, I took out players like, oh, outside zone pinball. And I like players are fundamentally the difference. Like scheme is about putting players in a position to win. I don't care who your defensive coordinator is. If you don't do the fundamentals, you aren't going to win. Um, that's why I really liked someone like TJ Edwards. And I know we're not going to have a discussion here about how badly they've handled the linebacker position. We can do that after the season. Um, but he just didn't really seem to make dumb plays. Like, I think he was fundamentally very smart and just very, very good at the basics. And there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for guys that stand in the right place, that do what a coach tells them and tackle really hard. Like, get me a defensive rally to the football. I want to see five or six guys around the ball carrier every time, like really basic fundamentals and the run game. And we are going to talk about run defense a little bit more depth as well. The run defense was horrendous, but we can talk all we want about scheme. And we can talk about the fact the Eagles played five band fronts and the Cardinals killed them with gap scheme. And we can, we, and we will, we literally will in about a minute, but none of that matters if you don't do the basics, like none of it. The whole premise of playing defense is find the ball, gets the ball, either knock it out if it's a pass and then tackle the ball carrier. And they're not doing that. And again, it's not all coaching. Some of the players have to take responsibility as well. Um, but it is also a little bit of coaching. Like, I don't know what they're doing in the week. I don't know how they're preaching fundamentals. There was an example where Shaq Leonard uh, tried to whack the ball out of a running back's hand on the three-yard line. Like, no, as a coach, I'd put him out of there after that play and say, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're on the three-yard line. Don't try and cause a fumble when you're the only man there. First man, wrap up. Uh, it looks like you got the clip of this year. This is one of the worst plays I've ever seen. Like, honestly, first play, First player, wrap up. Second player, knock the ball out. Like, this is fundamentals. Like, I'm from England and I've played flag football and I know basics of fundamentals of football, Shane. And the first guy doesn't try and punch the ball out when no one's wrapped him up. Like, this is not a first-year rookie linebacker. This is a guy they just signed. Um, and that is coaching. That's on individuals as well. Um, before I, we, I'm hoping when yeah. you play flag football, wrapping up and tackling is not a big it's, part of the game. It's a very fair point. I, I have played a very, very, very small amount of contact with flag football. was uh, the main thing that I played for a number of years. Although then again, I played with a bunch of Americans who came over and there was a bunch of like ex-college linebackers who were like twice the size of me that thank goodness it wasn't uh, tackle football because there's some big American linebackers apparently in college these days. Um, and I we could do with some of them. We could do with something. I might get we the could, WhatsApp yeah. up and message a few. goes back eight years at this point, but I might message a few people and say if they fancy playing for the Eagles next week. Shall we get into some of the specifics of the run defense, Shane? We um, should, but before, I got to mention this because you talked flag football. So when I was in yeah. high school, we played a lot of flag football on the practice field, in the summer, after school, whatever. Except it was sort of like tackle a guy and then pull his flags off. That's just what we did. Uh, and then I went to college and played intramural flag football. And I was playing defense. I was playing edge rusher in our first game, first snap of our first game. I like dip under the tackle and I just like 
planted the quarterback and like jump up to celebrate my sack. And of course they threw a flag at me and I was like, what? Oh yeah. You're just supposed to pull their flags. And I felt yeah. really bad afterwards, like apologize to the guy, but yeah. So people play flag football different ways. Maybe you're, maybe you're wrapping guys up and tackling them. I don't know. Yeah. I think Shatland was playing. Maybe Shatland is the next flag football player show. Maybe, uh, maybe we're trying to reach for a flag. Rather. I, I don't know. Honestly, that play was, I'm not going to go too in depth today in Shatland because I, I feel bad because I've gone far too in depth, but like he shouldn't be playing and he shouldn't play another snap again for the Eagles. Um, Signing him and Kyle Krishnellis is one of the worst things his team's done this year because Ellis could at least play linebacker. Like, I don't really know what I'm watching at the moment with Shaq Leonard. Um, let's get into the run defense in particular. So there's a few things that I'll start us off, and I'm not going to go into loads and loads and loads of plays, but there's one play that I love because it shows a lot of the problems that I have in one single play. So if you look at play four on my um, film thread here, Shane, this game basically summarizes what I thought the problems with the Eagles run defense were pretty much throughout the entire game. So this actually isn't a five-man front, which most of the time in this game, it was a five-man front, but the Eagles could not handle pulling linemen in this game. The Cardinals just rinsed gap scheme. There's a lot of duo. There's a lot of uh, gap scheme in this. And when you get a gap scheme, you need linebackers to like come down and take on the blocks. Um, one thing I noticed so often in this game is look how look at Jordan Davis and Jaden Carter on this play. Um, it's a very easy thing to look at when you look at the All-22 because when you get a sideline view, if you see their numbers, it's bad. Um, I remember it's one of the things I wrote down years ago when studying like run fits. And I can't remember like a clinic I watched online was if you're ever watching like running plays and you can see the numbers of your defensive tackles very clearly, that's not a good sign. Like Jalen Carter's number was on show. I mean, Jalen Carter was horrendous in run defense at this game. And I don't really know why. And I'm hoping there's not something going on there, but he was really, really bad. I feel a little bit like the Jordan Davis discussion has gone a bit far because of what Baldy said. Um, Jordan Davis was not horrendous. He had some good snaps, but for what he's meant to be, he wasn't very good. Like, I feel like some people have gone too far. He can't play. I'm like, no, he he was fine. He was a decent, yeah, I mean, decent might even be generous. He was okay in run defense in this game. But okay is not what you drafted an early first round pick for a guy who can't rush quarterback at all. Like, that is a, he better be a stud run defender. So on this play, you get so many things wrong. You get, the two defensive linemen playing, uh, getting completely sort of pulled out of the play. You get Josh Sweat charging upfield. You get a missed tackle from a safety. You get Jack Leonard being blocked by Trey McBride, the Cardinals' best receiving weapon, blocks Jack Leonard here for about three seconds. They also don't handle the edge well enough. The cornerbacks weren't good at defending the edge. They were confused about who had the edge all game, I thought. It was just fundamentally as bad as it gets. Like the run defense was horrendous. And I go into quite a lot of detail in my article this week. And I'm sure you're going to have a few plays that you want to talk about as well. So I'm not going to go into much detail on that particular one play. But it was everything you can think of. It was a lack of setting the edge or it was too many players setting the edge. It was defensive tackles being moved easily. It was linebackers being unable to shed blocks. It was linebackers just flat out missing tackles. It was defensive ends getting pushed upfield. It was safeties being slow to come down. Uh, from a too high look and when they did come down missing tackles like pretty much everything they could do in run defense wrong they did and i'm sorry if i get this stat wrong because i saw someone tweet it and whenever someone tweets a stat you can never be sure but i believe i think it must have been in a podcast this week that uh, greg cosell may have gone on he said something about the cardinals having like something stupid like plus 10 maybe even like the upper teens amount of five yard plus runs it may even be something stupid like 19 or 18 runs of five or more yards and it felt like that watching the tape like it was consistently terrible 
this was not one or two bad snaps or like three or four bad snaps. It was basically a consistent nightmare in run defense. Like it couldn't be a lot worse. And the Cardinals are, are a decent running team. They are quite good. And James Conner is a pretty decent running back. But the Eagles defense was so, so bad. And the lack of talent at linebacker is shocking. But this team invests a lot in the defensive line. And even just through basic coaching, when you've got a defensive line of Josh Sweat, Sam Reddick, Brandon Graham, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, you can't be that bad against the run. Like, we're not throwing out undrafted free agents on the defensive line in this game. It was it was horrendous. Is there any other specific examples that you wanted to throw it to before we uh, move on from this abomination of a performance? Yeah, I've got three plays on defense. Uh, the first one, I just want you to watch Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox next to each other getting double teamed and just see the difference. Actually, that might be Milton Williams. Now I'm second guessing the number, but watch them next to each other here. You get Jordan. They're both double teamed, right? And look where they're starting out a yard in front of the solid line. Fletcher Cox fights it. He gets to the inside to the hole and he's going to make a play. Jordan Davis is still getting pushed backwards. And it's a double team. I get it. Um, when you draft a guy, in the first round. Milton Williams, by the way. Yeah, it was Milton which, Williams. Which makes sense because he's a lot better than Fletcher Cox at the moment yeah. in defense. Yep. When you draft uh, a running or a defensive tackle in the top half of the first round that you know coming in can't rush the passer, he's just got to be able to do it. Like he's got to be in Dominican Sue, Linval Joseph, not Linval Joseph. He's got to be in Dominican Sue or you wasted a pick. Like he shouldn't go that high if he can't stand up to double teams consistently. And I know he's, a, I, I liked him. He was number seven on my big board and I still like him. And he looked, he played at this level early in the year. I put clips up earlier in the year of him dominating. And so at this point, he's either a playing hurt, which it's crossed my mind. B he's wearing down, which is a major issue because there's 57 defensive tackles that have played more snaps than him this season in the NFL. And it's, his, it's not like it's a first year. It's not like he's Jalen Carter his first year in the NFL. This is his second year in the NFL and, you know, getting hurt as a fresh, as a rookie hurts, but this has got to get better. You can't do this fade down the stretch all season. This time you've got him right here. Heads up on the left guard. He's going to get double teamed and watch where he's starting basically with a foot on the hash mark. Look how far he gets pushed out of that play. Now he's able, he's able to kind of close the gap a little bit at the end, but just his initial push, he gets moved off his spot and he gets walled off. He's again, we started right here and now we're all the way over here. You don't have to be able to split that double team and make the tackle, but you do have to not give up that gap. And so I thought that was a bad job by Jordan Davis on that one. Fletcher Cox, there's Cox. That's what I was thinking. I knew there was one where Cox came in. And then this last one, this is a whole team effort. And like, I, there's so many things wrong with this play. First of all, it could not be more clear. Trey McBride is going to down block Josh Sweat. Like, look at how he's standing. Look at his body language. So Josh Sweat takes a step inside, which just makes his job easier. We've got Milton Williams, for some reason, like going over the top. Uh, we've got, let's just roll it. We've got Reed Blankenship and Keely Ringo off screen, both taking outside. We've got Shaq Leonard just running into a block. Like, there, I've never seen so many things wrong in one run defense play in my life. And I just want to point out, um, I want you to watch the difference in the reaction here. 
between just watch the left right now. There's two plays. Josh Sweat versus Trey McBride, how he handles that when he knows he's going to get down block, jumping inside. And then I want you to watch Nolan Smith, who people tell me is too small to play edge rusher and isn't a good run defender, in the similar situation against Debo Samuel, how he attacks Debo Samuel and gets outside to blow this run up. Like, that's just not good enough. It's very clear before the snap what Trey McBride's going to do, and Josh Sweat just makes his job easier. It's a whole team effort to be this bad at run defense. A large portion of it goes on the linebackers, uh, for sure. But the Eagles have said, we're going to draft defensive tackles back-to-back years with first-round picks and not care about linebacker at all. And we think we can stop the run doing that, and they can't. They cannot. It's a fundamental thing that has to change about this team. Uh, Not that you should be drafting a linebacker in the first round, but you have to invest something into the position moving forward. Yeah, we'll get to this in draft season, Shane, but I'm not opposed to anything. Uh, I'm really not opposed to first-round linebackers anymore. Like, I'm so sick of watching this team at the moment. Um, There's a few things I wanted to add on very, very quickly before we're going to mention maybe some of the things they can do to improve on defense. Um, I know I knew this week we're going to spend a lot more time talking about the defense and the offense because it had to be the case. Um, I completely agree with you. That last play that you showed is one of the worst snaps of run defense I've ever seen because everything's wrong. Like, you've got a linebacker who's, who's just can't make a play in the hole like you just can't physically do it like stop playing him i'm sorry i said i wasn't going to mention shat leonard again but i can't just stop playing him shane i i can't i honestly some, some of the plays this week um I, I did laugh out loud um to myself which is very sad because it's like if you don't laugh you'll cry because it was that bad we're going to have a long discussion about joshua this off season and i think the big joshua discu- dis- uh, discussion is coming because his run defense is not very good at the moment and he's not rushing the quarterback very well and it makes you wonder how many snaps he can handle. The Jordan Davis thing, I think, is fascinating. I just think it's quite clear at this point that there's a reason why he didn't play a lot in college. I think conditioning's a real concern. And I think we might have to get real about the amount of snaps this guy can handle, which is very sad. And I think it could be an injury. But in my opinion, conditioning and injuries go hand in hand. Like, this is a player that if you're prone to getting injured because you can't play a lot of snaps, then you can't. And I think Josh Sweat may be struggling here a little bit. Like, I love it when people say, oh, he's getting double teamed. That is his entire point. The entire point of Jordan Davis is that he can anchor against double team. I'm not expecting him to blow it up. So, I mean, I know the stats around Jordan Davis are horrendous. It seems like no tackle for loss since like week two. And I get all that. But to be honest, I don't care about that. Just stand there, anchor, and take away two defenders um, or offensive linemen, sorry, uh, and let your linebackers get up and make a play. And he's not doing that. Um, It was really bad. Like, I must admit, I'm a little bit concerned. And I'll put this on the podcast and not tweet it because it's a great time for me to do it that's why i love about podcasters hey you can't quote me officially you can't quote tweet me as easily a little bit concerned about Jalen carter against the run like to me there's a tiny bit of hero ball there there's a tiny bit of trying to make a play getting upfield effort levels potentially in passing downs look a little bit more lively um i'm gonna say that very quietly because i'm not doubting his effort and i think he's obvious i mean he's defensive rookie of the year if not second behind with anderson um He's had a very, very, very good year. And I know his defensive lineman it's very hard. So I don't really worry about Jalen Carter at all. I, like, I worry about Jordan Davis. I don't worry about Jalen Carter. Um, but I, it's just something to put out there. But if I'm being brutally honest, Shane, I wouldn't be playing him that often on early downs moving forward if the Eagles are serious about competing this year. Because there is a couple of things I don't like about the way he plays the run. And I'm not picking on Carter, by the way, because I also think the same about Fletcher Cox. Um, Cox seems to have fallen off a cliff a little bit in terms of against the run um 
And that's also something that I think there'll be a discussion in the offseason about if he's back next year, about how much he actually should be used. Um, right, before we move on to a couple of other things, is there anything else you wanted to add on just how horrendous this performance was on defense? Um, I want to ask you a question, and this is yep. dangerous to do this on air without talking to you about it before. But Johnny, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who is Who's the best team in the NFC right now? 49ers. Okay, that one was easy. Who's the best team in the AFC? Yeah, Ravens. Okay, good, good. We're on the same page. You know what those two teams have in common? Amazing linebackers. Yeah, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, uh, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner. The thing is, linebackers not mattering is accurate when you're running a Jim Schwartz plus one in the box every play scheme. But if you want to be devoted to split field safety looks, that means... By definition, you're playing neutral boxes, or in the case of a mobile quarterback, you're playing light boxes. You have got to have linebackers. You've got to have the spine of the defense thick. And I was there with linebackers, running backs. Those are the two places you want to slack off over the last several years. That's changing, and it's been changing, and and the Eagles have to adapt to that. So I was just going to mention that. So now go ahead. Go ahead. I'm done with the defense. Yeah, no, that's a really good point now, I think, in general. Um, the defense, NFL changes, things in, like scheme things change at the moment. I think you can argue that, as you mentioned it really well there, with the split safety looks, like you just don't ever play three linebackers. So you've basically got to be good enough to play as a two, as a duo, uh, sometimes even as a lone off-ball linebacker. Like there's one of you. Um, that's becoming more of a trend now, the old 5-1-5 uh, fronts. Um, I wanted to very quickly share, and I'm not going to go into any real detail because we've criticized defense a lot. I feel like if you're a fan listening and you're thinking, well, is it all terrible? Are the Eagles going to lose? Uh, they probably are. Um, this team is probably going to lose the first round of playoffs because they're not good enough. I mean, it depends who they get. And I think the offense can maybe bail them out. I would say I don't think the defense is going to be gone forever. Like, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that I think they could do very, very quickly. And it's very easy. It starts with Darius Slate coming back and playing at a high level because Darius Slate is a good cornerback. Uh, Zach Cunningham coming back is going to make a massive difference. If they play Shaq Leonard at all over the next few weeks, it should be Cunningham and Moreau, maybe, slash Cunningham and um, who's the other guy? Uh, ben Van Sumeren. Ben Van Sumeren. Potentially as well. Like, go for it. I'm even open to playing Cunningham next to Nolan Smith a little bit more. Um, they need to stop rushing five. They need to just accept the fact they're going to rush four and get extra bodies in coverage. And they're going to simply line up, Reddick and Sweat, and say, bend the edge. Done. Uh, if they do those very, very, very basic things, this defense can at least be passable. The other random things I might do, which might surprise people, is I might play a little bit less Jalen Carter. I might play a little bit less Fletcher Cox. I might play some more Milton Williams and Moro Ajomo. Yep, I said it. Because I think Ajomo is a really good run defender. And he's not going to rush a quarterback that well. But at this point, just get back to basics. Just fundamentally stop the run and then worry about everything else later on. Um Milton Williams, I think, is the Eagles' best defensive lineman at the moment. And then maybe Jordan Davis. I think they've got to figure out what they're going to do with him. So they've got to stop playing these five-man fronts because basically it's not working and the linebackers are not helping. So they maybe need to play more 4-2 or put Sidney Brown as a slot cornerback, not Avante Maddox, and play 4-2 front with Sidney Brown in the box as your, as your nickel defender, which could definitely be an option. I don't even know what to do with Jordan Davis. I think I'd probably play him as like a one technique in a four-man front, potentially next to Milton Williams or a Jomo, and then hopefully he'll be able to be a little bit better against the uh, run. Because I think sometimes when he's in one of those five-man fronts, I don't know, I just sometimes when he's, I find that he has to come on double team for a long time because the linebackers are so slow getting to the line of scrimmage. Maybe it will help him in a four-man front. 
So there are things some of this Eagles defense can do. I think a lot of it relies on heavily, heavily hoping that Darius Slay and Zach Cunningham can be a big improvement over what's currently there. Um, but if they don't change some of the, if they keep lining up Reddick and dropping him into coverage twenty five percent of the time, if they keep playing Jack Leonard, uh, it's not going to get any better. And the other thing you can hope, and I think this is the realistic hope, is Evonte Maddox is a very good player if he is healthy, and it appears he is, and he gets into some fitness by the, by the start of the postseason. All of a sudden, that secondary is a little bit better than it's been before. So. This week feels like the sky is falling down, and the truth is it probably is on, on the defense. Um, I can't be that positive because I can't lie to people. But I do think there is something there. I think just accepting that this Eagles defense is going to be terrible is letting the coaches off the hook. There is enough talent there to at least be passable. I'm talking be the 22nd best defense. Like, there is a chance the offense could go mad. They're good enough and be like a top four or five offense. I do genuinely believe that. As a defense, just be half decent. Get the occasional stop, the occasional sack. Be, be the 22nd best defense. And at this point, I'll accept it. It does look incredibly bleak right now, but there are some things that I think the Eagles can do um, moving forward. Yeah. Um, as far as the defense goes, I'm with you. Slay back. Slay was playing at a really high level before this and apparently playing through an injury that led to a surgery. So, you hope he can come back. You hope Avante Maddox can get back on track because I think he's a very good player. Now he did struggle in week one before he got injured and then he struck. So that's concerning, but hopefully he can work back into it. You got to stop blitzing. You mentioned it since the bye week. So week 11 on the Eagles have a defensive success rate of, or excuse me, they allow an offensive success rate of 44% when they do a four man rush which isn't great, but it's 17th in the league. That jumps to 56% when they blitz, which is dead last in the league. Like, just stop blitzing. Don't Literally, don't ever blitz again. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. When you get in a situation where you can't stop anyone, then maybe blitz six, just cover, never blitz or cover zero blitz if you can't stop anyone. That's pretty much where I'm at. But uh, And then, yeah, you, you mentioned Zach Cunningham coming back will be big. I would not mind seeing Sidney Brown play linebacker next to him. Sidney Brown played over 300 snaps of linebacker in college at Illinois. Uh, try that out. Like if Avante Maddox, Avante Maddox, Bradley Roby can man slot things, put Sidney Brown into the box as a linebacker next to Zach Cunningham and run, you know, a, a four, two, five front with him as a linebacker or, or a, a five, two, four front with him as whatever you need to do. Uh, but you got to be able to stop the run and in, you do better tackling. And this defense can be passable. They're not going to be good, but if they can be 20th best, it could be good enough, uh, assuming the offense plays well. Yeah. Do you know what? Final thing, Shane, then we really, really do need to get to the offense. Um, I don't really care about playing with stars this week because I think Washington is horrible and the Cowboys will probably win. And maybe that's a bad take. But if it gets to the point where the Cowboys are like 21 nil up or 21 free up, um, start trying stuff. Like, throw stuff at the wall this week in practice. Throw stuff at the wall this week. Um, like, I don't care. Try Sidney Brown at linebacker. Try Daniel Smith as an off-ball linebacker next to Cunningham. Like, just do something. Like, literally do anything. The, the best thing the Eagles could do this year in the playoffs might just be to do something different. Like, just be a little bit radical in individual games. NFL's a weird sport. Anything can happen. Like, it's sport. It's high-level sport. The offense can play really well. But the events could get, I don't know, they could get a pump return, a kick return. Like, the quarterback might throw a pick that they shouldn't throw. Stuff happens. You can't just give up on the season. Um, the Eagles are still overall a talented team 
they're obviously not better than the 49ers and the Ravens and the chances of them being those teams are incredibly slim. But you can't just go into the offseason and say, oh, well, this is the defense. So here we go. Literally do anything. Like genuinely, Ceddie Brown could not have played worse than Shaq Leonard this week. Um, I, I really do believe that. Like, I, I don't see how he could, even if he's making the wrong reads out there. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if Shaq Leonard was making the right reads. He couldn't physically make the play anyway. So just throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks. I genuinely would start playing a Jomo more. And I know people are going to think I'm mental because he's my guy. And I loved him when I watched him post-draft. He looked really good in the preseason and he can stop the run. You've got one of the problems, I think, with the defense is they're all knackered because they played a lot of snaps this year. So maybe give some of the fresh guys a chance. Slay should be fresh. Shindley Brown should be fresh. Um, give someone like a Jomo some more snaps. See what happens. But you can't just go in to the postseason saying, oh, well, this is what the defense is. We're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again because... It would be ridiculous if we're breaking down a game in two weeks and it looks the same as this. It's your first case of mute, Shane. It's your first case of mute on the podcast. Oh shoot! I normally don't mute myself, but I've been coughing <laughs> like I've been coughing like crazy. If you're watching, you see I am sick. This is we could call this my flu game podcast. Uh, some people are saying that I don't know, but uh, I want to see Nolan Smith play 30 snaps at edge rusher this week. Like just put him out there. Let him rush the passer. I want to see it. Um, but yeah, just try some things. So let's throw it to a break now, uh, 49 minutes into this podcast, uh, and we'll come back and we'll talk a little more briefly about the offense. Back after this. And we are back here on the Shane page after an in-depth, exhaustive breakdown of the defense where we covered a lot of stuff. We're going to move through the offense a little bit quicker here. Uh, and Johnny, you and I have the first point. We both want same first point. We both wanted to talk about the Eagles first and 20 sequence at the end of the game. So I'm going to throw this up on the screen and let's just go back and forth on these plays. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, you start us off. Cause I think I might have a different take to a lot of people here. So you tell me what you see and then we'll go for it. Okay. So after the play, after the penalty, you get first and 20. Um, in my opinion, Settling for a field goal, running the clock, that can't be on your mind here. You've given up three consecutive 70-plus-yard touchdown drives. So you need to go score. On first down, the Eagles come out, and they're going to call a QB run. I don't mind the call. Uh, if you look at the box count, let's just draw the box on here, right? The Cardinals have seven in the box. The Eagles have nine in the box. So we're plus two in the box. Plus one is a good look to run. The Eagles are plus two because the Cardinals are basically playing four over two on the receivers. Ultimately, you would I think you would like to see Lane Johnson really blow up this defensive end when he kicks out here. And it's not like he gets displaced. He moves him outside the numbers. It just doesn't blow him up. Uh, if you look from the back view, um, again, like this is where we're making contact, and he's going to get him out to the numbers. Maybe you would argue, since you've got a lineman pulling through here, that Gainwell should like hit this guy too. I don't know. I don't know how you coach that. Like if Gainwell hits this guy, this might be a touchdown. Like that's how good this angle is here. So I think this is a good design. You get four yards. It's not as much as it should have been due to execution, but I don't mind that one at all. So what were your thoughts on? We'll just bounce it back here. What were your thoughts on that first down? Yeah, so this is where I thought actually we we're going to disagree, but we don't. Um, I, I'm, I love this call. Like I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, I think... And everyone goes mad and says it's conservative. I mean, that's it's first and 20. Like, if you can pick up eight, nine yards, then great. That's fine. The, the box count suggests running it here is perfectly fine. Like, from that formation, 
The Cardinals, as you said, have four defenders over AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Um, now, I'm going to be really nitpicky here, Shane. If you go to the other angle um, and just pause it pre-snap. So some of the things I think, as a, from a run game point of view, I'd like to see. So they're asking Landon Dickerson, 69, to block the linebacker directly ahead of him. Um, I think that's a tough block. Like, Landon Dickerson's not the most mobile guard. Um, he's obviously very big. He's quite a bruising guard. I'm not sure I want him making that block. So two things I think you could do here. Firstly, you could ask Kels to not pull and Kels could get to the second level. Then you could ask Landon Dickerson to pull or you've actually got the numbers, just double team uh, the edge defender um, and have Dickerson and Malata sort of both sort of basically create a huge crease there. Um, game well is slow. I think he's too slow at getting out here. The Titans do a brilliant job. They're such good run blockers in this game. Um, Gamewell was slow getting out. You were 100% spot on. I think Gamewell hurts almost ends up pushing him forward, if you see it again. because It's, that little, like, it's that little hesitation. He's not going anywhere. I think he's waiting for Lane Johnson to create his block, and he needs to just be a little bit more courageous and go. Now, if Jason Kelsey had got to the guy at the second level, what you could then ask Gamewell to do is basically do what Kelsey's doing there and try and uh, help out at the point of attack. The biggest issue is, unfortunately, we all love him. He's the Eagles' best lineman over the past 10 years, but Lane Johnson just has a really bad block. And even with the problems of Dickerson getting there, if Lane Johnson sustains his block, they probably win. Another thing, if I'm being really nitpicky, I actually love this play call, and I'm going to talk about this play call for my second part when I talk run game. Uh, they could run QB counter bash. So what you could do is send game well in the other direction. Now, you lose the lead blocker element, but what you would get is you would get the edge defender basically not having to be blocked. So he would become irrelevant because you just read him. Then all of a sudden you're like nine on six in the box. And the other thing you can do is hopefully you get the linebacker pause a second because he may just see Gainwell running the other direction. And you might be able to get an easier block for Dickerson uh, or Kels onto the second level. Overall, though, everyone went mad about I've seen things like, oh, it's a QB run. It's conservative. I mean, like I, I think the Eagles were conservative at the end. But this play call is there is absolutely nothing wrong with this play call. Like, look at the box count. They have got a nine versus seven, essentially, box. I will. I would run this play 10 times out of 10, genuinely. And I'm not defending the coaching staff and saying, like, everything they do is great. Um, but this play is perfectly, perfectly fine. Uh, it is not an issue at all. There are a lot of plays that I do have an issue with. Um, in this game, especially on defense, uh, this is not one of them. However, the second let's play, get to second and sixteen. I'm less keen on. Yeah, so second and sixteen. This is an entirely different situation. Uh, I paused it right here. Just watch. You see when Hertz squats down, these linebackers come up. Like so, they're coming right. This is a cover zero blitz. Whereas last time we were plus two in the box. Now, if we draw the box. We're what? We're we're new. We're minus one in the box. It's seven on. Oh no, I think it's seven. They've still, they've still it's got seven numbers. on eight. Seven on eight. Yeah. Unless you include this guy. Exactly. In the box. And, and on so, second and sixteen, I think you have to count him because like a four-yard run doesn't really do a lot. So yeah. I think in that situation, you almost have to count that safety coming down because you're not trying. It's not a normal situation. It's not second and six. It's second right, and so sixteen. We're essentially neutral box here. Running on first and 20 in a plus two box count, fine. Running out of a neutral box on second and 16, I don't like, especially when you're seeing cover zero blitz. Like you've got AJ Brown and Devontae Smith both one on one. Go make a play. Like if AJ Brown, now obviously, if we roll this, you'll see that they're playing inside leverage. Like look at this cornerback, his hips, you're playing inside leverage. That's what you expect. 
right? And I'm fine with that. Like, run Devontae Smith on a slant route just to get this guy out of the way and throw an out route to A.J. Brown. Breaking against leverage to the sideline, he literally breaks one tackle and it's a touchdown. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Or even if you want to, like, max protect, max protect, you can pick this up, right? It's seven rushers, seven rushers, and you've got seven blockers. Obviously, the safety probably comes because he's responsible for the tight end who ends up blocking, but he would be coming from depth. Maybe you max protect and hit like a little stutter go move. They're sitting inside leverage. Maybe you get a guy jumping that Devontae Smith sluggo route. Like there's a lot of things that you could do in this situation against cover zero that give you a lot better chance to pick up the first down than trying to run, you know, a GT counterplay here. You know, this is a play you talked about last time. This just isn't the box count for it. Now, saying all that, if you look from the back view, I also think this is just a really bad job by Hertz. I mean, number three comes in here, but he's chasing Gainwell. Like, look at look at his body right here. He's having to plant and change. Hertz just has to get upfield. I feel like he overreacts to this and he pushes this outside. I mean, at worst, at worst, if you go here, I think it's Buda Baker. Who's number three? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. He's diving at your legs and maybe you shake that off. And if you do look at the, look at the lane you would have to run up field. And so again, this is, this is way over analyzing something that's happening in real time, but I don't like the play call. I think Hertz could have executed this better. Yeah. So, but he's been a backup by the way, who is very, very good and very fast. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you too much on Hertz possibly running it better. Cause I think Dickerson whiffs, um, on his block quite badly as well, which is the other problem with this play. So I hate judging play calls as in like general because it's so hindsight and it's so like, oh, they could have done this. However, it's not hindsight just to simply look at the box count. Like football is the most numbers game of any sport. Like numbers tell a story. Worst case scenario, Shane, on this throw, if you go back to the pre-snap look, absolute worst case scenario is the Cardinals drop their edge defender and they're three over two in coverage. Now, even if they are three over two, that's two cornerbacks and an edge defender against Devontae Smith and AJ Brown. And the edge is not even looking and he's playing quite far inside. So, yeah, he might take away like a quick a quick slant if he drops into coverage. But anything on the outside you've got, like you've got, you can run crash. You can run post will. Uh, you can want you. I mean, name your, as you've mentioned, you can name a multitude of different concepts. Uh, go on Google, type in two man root concepts. I mean, imagine you're playing flag football again. There's so much stuff you can do here. The way the Cardinals are lined up, and I think body language in football matters and stuff. And you can just tell as a quarterback, as a play caller, you should be able to tell that the Cardinals are run blitzing here, like, or they're at least bringing pressure. So the Eagles don't have an answer. Now, this is where I think you can get into, they might be too conservative. I think you can argue for the reason why they've done this is because they're being conservative. I think we can have a whole discussion about the fact that Hurts maybe doesn't audible enough or changing the plays of line of scrimmage. There's a whole other debate here. We could go, we could have a hundred different routes here. Basically, in my opinion, the first down play call is totally fine. And in fact, it's quite ironic because I said, I wish they'd done QB counter bash on the first down. And it's almost like they realized that and thought, oh, if we get that same look, QB counter bash will work brilliantly. But they're, but they're running the quarterback again. And when people say, oh, I'm running the quarterback twice, that play could have gone to the running back if the edge plays it differently. So in a nice way possible, like 
shut up. I've seen some people moan about like QB runs. Like it's a big part of the offense. Like I'm not going to moan about QB runs. If you're going to moan about QB runs, then the Eagles have made a horrible decision extending their quarterback because it's going to be a part of this offense moving forward. And I have absolutely no problem with it. The problem is the down and distance with it being second and 16. If it's second and six, do you know what? If they want to run it, still not the end of the world. I would probably throw it in that situation. The problem is second and 16. Even if you get a decent run, you're still third and long, third and medium. So I have absolutely no problem with the first down play call. I don't think it's conservative. I think it's a logical play. And I think it's a shame it only goes for four yards if they execute it better. Um, I do have a problem with the second down play call. And do you happen to have the third down play call as well up? Uh, I do, yes. Yeah, third I mean, down. You you take yeah, this one first. It. Tell me what well, you no, see. No, you, you take this one because I actually didn't break this one down in my article. So I haven't watched this play as much. So you take it and I'll, I'll come in on it. Okay, I mean, basically just this is a pretty clear cover zero look again. I mean, and the Eagles go empty and you go empty. And of course, they end up actually bailing out here. And I don't know if it's because they see these guys running out to block or whatever. But if I'm looking at it pre-snap, I'm thinking cover zero again. And that's what the Eagles should be thinking. And the Eagles are in empty. So if it is cover zero, you ha- you're hot. you got a free runner. That's problematic for a team that doesn't utilize hots. And their only answer is to throw a screen pass. And that just can't be the answer on third and 20. I mean, y- you picked up a third and 20 last week. Hurts dropping back, climbing a pocket, making a play. Like, I would just much rather see you put Kenny Gainwell in the backfield, maybe even attach Dallas Goddard to the line of scrimmage and max protect and give a chance for something to develop downfield. And there's just nothing here. You throw a screen pass. You throw a screen pass with your 170-pound receiver as a lead blocker, and he gets hurt on the play. Like, I don't know. Just why are we throwing a screen pass to our second best running back behind a 170 pound receiver? Why is that the third and 20 play? Yeah. Right. I'll tell you what, Shane, uh, I'll disagree with you a little bit, which is always fun. Um, I, I'm, this is a proper like nerdy scheme episode. If you like this stuff, uh, please let us know. Cause I feel like I'm going to get into the weeds a little bit here. So I have absolutely zero problem with a screen on third and 20. Now I know a lot of people say, but last week they converted it. And I'm like, yeah, but they're in field goal range. If Hurts takes a sack, he's out of field goal range. The percentage chance of converting third and 20 is a disaster. It's very low. Like I know they might do it, but let's be clear. It's very low. Now let's just say hypothetically in this situation that screen pass is okay. Okay. Let's just say, right, we're going to run a screen pass. Now let's look at how they can run it. So they've got three receivers. Let's ignore actually, Shane, just ignore the two sides for a start. Let's just take, let's just assume they're going to run it to the three receiver side. Okay. Just to make it nice and easy for people watching. There's a few things you can do. Firstly, you don't have to have a backup linebacker, uh, running back out there. You could put a tight end out there as an extra blocker. So I would like to throw a bubble screen to the slot. And this is a very specific scheme point, but I'll tell you what you can do if you want a bubble screen to the slot. Uh, it doesn't have to be Julio Jones, by the way. It can be Devontae Smith. Don't worry. Yeah, but you're running. Them. Yeah, you're running away from the defenders on the inside, not running towards them. So when the Eagles run these screens, other teams like run them with like the guys in motion. The guy's already got a head start. It's quick. The Eagles are so slow. Like they throw it to game well and he like has jump catch it. The other thing they do is they don't block anything inside. So they pl- they're trying to almost go for the big play. They're trying to block the two only two defenders left. But that means Gainwell has to outrun everyone in the middle of the field. And look, by the time he's caught it, like the Cardinals know this is coming. There's literally nobody blocking the linebacker. Like, don't bother blocking the safety. Let's say they do run it this way. Get Julio Jones to block the linebacker. Don't block the safety. Let your running back have a go. 
at beating the safety one-on-one. If he does, brilliant. Maybe use DeAndre Swift, not Kenny Gainwell, but I get it. He's their third down back. But the thing that really frustrates me is, so I've already gone on things that they could do differently. And this is what I, I hope the coaches are discussing. And they're not just saying, oh, screen. Like, you have to get technical about this stuff. Like, it's in the, what's the phrase? Where the success is in the detail. Well, it's all in the detail. There's a phrase I'm trying to say, which sounds terrible on a podcast when I haven't got it. Um, but it's in the minor, minor details. Like, it's in, the, it's in the small things that you do. And there's so many little things here that I don't like. And my final point is, stop throwing screens to Devontae Smith's side like it's driving me insane because I love Devontae Smith and if hopefully he's not injured but I don't even care about the injury if I'm being honest he's just a bit of a rubbish blocker like it's okay not everyone's great at blocking he tries his best but he's about not much bigger than me and I'm not blocking NFL defensive backs like he's too small to block just change him and AJ Brown I know AJ Brown maybe doesn't want to block but suck it up it's third and 20 like put a tight end out there, put Julio Jones, tight end, DeAndre Swift, and then put AJ Brown and Devontae Smith on the other side of the field. You also might get the defense end up putting their men over to that side of the field because they're scared of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Like I don't hate the third down play call, but I hate the execution and I hate the way it's schemed up. The things that really bug me is they block nobody from the interior. Kenny Gainwell is running. He's taking a step inside. If you look at where he actually catches it, Shane, when you throw it, like there's no running head start. Like, he has to jump. Look at the line. I mean, look at that. There's three defenders already there, but they're not even trying to block. Forget play call. Execution matters, and coaching and design of plays matter. The minor details are not good enough. And I actually think this offense is okay at the moment, and I'm not that anti-Brian Johnson. I'm not particularly angry at it. But the minor stuff matters in big situations. So I felt like there was things they could do better uh, in that situation. Yeah, I mean, that... That pretty well sums it up for me. It just, it's just that play sequencing. It, it's so bad after first down. And to be clear, I thought first down was fine. So, <sighs> okay, let's uh, let's get onto our other points. Uh, I want to talk about my second point is dealing with the blitz. And you know, one of my points for the, one of my plays for this is that second and 16. And so I won't really, I'm not going to re diagram that one there. Just have it in your mind when I show this one. This is third and five on the first drive after half for the Eagles. The Cardinals just marched down the field and scored a touchdown. You now have an eight point lead. You have not picked up a first down. This is third and five. This can't be your play call. Like this is, this is pretty clearly a cover zero blitz situation. We know that because of the position of this safety over the top of this cornerback. It's what's called capping a cornerback, right? He's replacing this corner so he can blitz. Now we look at the other side and we say, okay, this is either cover zero because this guy could also take on Dallas Goddard to let him blitz. He's shaded over there or it's cover one. But if it's cover one, we've clearly got the safety. You know, they could be in man coverage here. We've clearly got this safety. He's going to rotate, but he's on A.J. Brown's side. So I have no problem with dialing up a shot play to Devontae Smith here. That's fine. Except for it being this situation. Like, in this situation, you can't go three and out and give the ball back to the Cardinals with a chance for them to go tie the game. You can dial up a higher percentage play. Like, you know this guy's blitzing. He's coming. It's clear. Like, if we start to roll it, you see him start to walk in. Like. You could fake snap this and see that. Just run a slant route. You've got Julio Jones 
against a safety playing 12 yards off. Just run a slant route and throw him the football, and it's wide open, right? And you can still have Devontae Smith running deep. Let's say this guy bails off, right? He bails off the line and we sink under that. Then take your shot. But you at least tried to have an answer to the blitz, right? But there's no answer to the blitz other than to go deep. And, you know, once we get into the actual play, I've seen the throw criticized. Hertz has a free runner. He's throwing the ball when Devontae Smith is at the 38-yard line in this position. So he throws it to the sideline. He can't throw it upfield. Devontae's not past the corner yet. And watch how far it is before Devontae Smith catches this. Like This is like 27 yards that Devontae Smith covers while the ball is in the air. That's a pretty dang good throw in this situation. Now, I'm also not killing Devontae Smith because this is a tremendously difficult catch. Could he maybe track it a little better and get into a better position? Maybe. Would he normally catch it? Yes, but it's a tough catch. It just didn't need to be this tough. It doesn't have to be this tough on third and five. Look how open Julio Jones is on a post route. And now just imagine he's making that cut five yards earlier. And Jalen Hurts isn't trying to throw a ball 30 yards downfield, guessing where his guy is going to be. And instead, he's throwing it to an open receiver. And you get it. You can get into it. I won't re-diagram that second and 16 play, but it's the same issue. The Eagles don't have answers to the blitz other than taking shots. Yeah, to be honest, I won't get into it just purely because of timing, because we will go over longest we've ever gone today, and so I'm going to be very quick on my other points. But I'll be honest, I sort of said this sort of half-jokingly. I almost don't hate the shot <laughs> because we're so bad against the Blitz. If we're going to be bad, I'd rather just throw it vertically to Devontae Smith or AJ Brown than get hurt whacked from behind. Um, I almost didn't hate it. I think it's actually a great throw, and it's nearly a great catch. Um, but yeah, it's obviously... In a, in a in a vacuum it's not a great art it's not a great answer um this is a really random plug shame but i know a lot of our viewers probably watched the qb school um as well jt o'sullivan if you go to jt o'sullivan's youtube channel i go and watch his analysis of lamar jackson game against the 49ers it is incredible how much better other teams answers to pressure is in the eagles like for anyone there who wants to learn a bit more about the scheme and what the eagles could do just go and watch uh, that video because we don't give a time to watch a lot of other teams except for the eagles i mean I, I definitely don't so if you have a look at that it gives a lot of the things that we talk about in terms of having easy answers to pressure um right i'm gonna get into my final two points because we're gonna be quick because i love scheme but an hour and 10 minutes on the cardinals game is rough so i'm going to talk very quickly firstly about eagles run game because i'm always going to talk about it um i actually don't need to go into great detail in this play because i've already spoke about it briefly because it was the play that the eagles ran on first and ten so two things that I think the Eagles did really well in this game that surprised me. Um, firstly, the Eagles actually had two outside zone toss plays, which I never see the Eagles do. So if you go to my film, Fred Shane, and go to play uh, seven, I could have shown the first play, which was a toss from under center. But I'm going to show you this play, which is outside zone toss from shotgun. Just really quickly, the reason why I love this play is because normally when you run from shotgun, uh, you it's quite predictable what basically direction you're running in uh, for obvious reasons. So on this play, you basically run the opposite way, which can catch a defense out. I just really like toss plays. Like I really like outside zone toss as a, as a play. I think it's a really good play call to have for this Eagles offensive line. I think this Eagles offensive line run outside zone really well. And I think the Andre Swift is good in space. The way the Eagles ran from 12 personnel in this game gives me real encouragement. And I said the same thing last week. I think the Eagles run game is humming. And I said last week, I think the Eagles run game might be fixed. And I think they should go into the playoffs pretty confident. And then they also ran another 
play that I've never seen them run this year. So it's cool that the fact they're introducing new run concepts this late into the season. If you go to play eight of my uh, film thread as well, this is the same play as play one. So I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. It's a pinball concept from 12 personnel. But rather than being like outside zone pinball with Kenny Gainwell as the lead, as the rusher, Kenny Gainwell acts as like a fullback. Like he's like a, this is, if you imagine Jalen Hurst as a running back here, you've got an old school, this is the old school fullback at the point of attack. Like, I love this. Like Kenny Gainwell actually does a reasonable job as well. Like he's not brilliant, but Kenny Gainwell is an okay uh, blocker. So I think that's really cool that the run game is doing some different things in week 17. And I think in general, as someone who is known as the run game man on here now, uh, I feel very, very good about the direction of the Eagles running game heading into week 18 in the playoffs. And I think if they commit to it and they really, they can basically run a number of different things. If you remember at the start of the year when we were going, it's just shotgun split zone. Now they've got outside zone. They do have a little bit of understanding. So they've got outside zone pin pull. We've seen, we've seen tackle trap. Um, We've seen outside zone toss, like we've seen QB pin pull. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff we've seen. So there's a lot of stuff that I think this offense can do. So I think we should all actually be quite excited about the direction of the run game. And then the one other thing I wanted to mention, Shane, my final point before you finish us off by talking about some out structure plays, is I really, really like the design of the Eagles first touchdown. So I want to talk about it very briefly. It's play three on my film thread. Um, the Eagles don't run a lot of crossing routes this year. I don't really know why. Like we don't see AJ Brown run a lot of crossing routes. Uh, we don't see a lot of like drive, shadow cross, mesh. We see it a little bit, but we don't see a huge amount of it. So I really, really like the design of this play. What the Eagles do is they use what I'm going to steal from uh, Nate Tice. DeAndre Swift runs like this Christian McCaffrey crab motion. And he calls it crab motion because the guy just like pedals left and right, which I find quite funny. So I'm going to call it crab motion from now on. And he's sort of like a little bit offset from the formation. And what it does uh, is it essentially creates this massive horizontal stretch uh, for the defense. Um, you did have the right play, by the way, Shane. That was my play, play three. Yeah, um, switch to the next one. Hold on. I'll get, yeah, I'll get no, it back for you. No worries. So you've got DeAndre Swift sort of like horizontally stretching the defense. Then what you've got is you've got uh, Julio Jones. No, sorry, not Julio Jones. Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown next to each other. And they both run like short comebacks. So if it's like a zone coverage here, you've got two short hitches that you can hit. And you've also got the running back in the flat if you have to hit it. So I think you've got answers against zone. But basically, all AJ Brown's got to do here, sorry, AJ Brown, all Jalen Hurst has got to do here is read the deep safety. So the second, if you look at his eyes, he's reading that deep safety who's basically double covering AJ Brown because, sorry, the other deep safety, in fact, who's now come up because the second you read him, you know there's no one deep. You've stretched the defense horizontally. It's a, This is a bit technical, but you've basically got four receivers on one side of the field. So Jalen Hurts hasn't got to do a full field read. It's all on his, it's all in his line of vision. He can read this play like one to two to three very easily without having to move his head a lot. Um, it's just a really nice design. Like it was, I was watching that, oh, this is good. This is good. We haven't seen a lot of red zone um, passing concepts this year that I've liked. So I am more optimistic about Brian Johnson and in general about this Eagles offense. I think the stuff I've seen the past month has shown some willingness to adapt. The run game's got a little bit better and I would like to see more of that. Like let's run some more concepts like that in general. But the Eagles were really good in the red zone this week and they've got a lot better in the red zone over the second half of the season. So as bad as the defense is, as much as everyone's going into the playoffs and expecting this Eagles team to get battered every week, from now on, I think the offense is playing quite well. And I think overall, I quite enjoyed watching this offensive film. And it's a shame they didn't win because the amount of talk after that drive left like a bit of taste in the mouth. And you've got AJ Brown not talking. I know he's now spoken, but uh, everyone seemed a bit angry about the offense. And like they had the ball seven times and scored 24 points. Like you can't be too mad 
Um, I think the offense played pretty well. So I think I'll leave it there with our breakdowns this week, Shane. I'll let you finish us off with something that I was going to talk about if you didn't talk about. Um, do you want to talk about somebody out of structure work in this game? Because this is another thing I think the Eagles have improved on, which is really cool. Yeah, uh, two plays I'll show here. Both touchdowns where Hertz is out of structure. Uh, the first one, Hertz primary target is going to be AJ Brown. They've got AJ Brown on a vertical route, Dallas Goddard on an out route to the top of the screen. Uh, I would call this cover two. They're going to have a safety over the top, and the corner does a good job of carrying AJ Brown's route. So it's not there. You can see this is where Hertz is looking, right? And now all of a sudden there's some pressure. It's not there. In the past, Hertz would have bailed out of the back of this pocket, which limits your options. Here, Hertz steps up through the pocket and rolls right. And I love, watch Julio Jones. Now, if I'm Julio Jones right now, I'm thinking I break this route. Like most vertical routes, if it is middle of field open, give you an option to like turn it into a post, break in between the safeties. Don't just run right at the safety, right? If I'm Julio Jones, that's what I'm thinking because you're wide open if you do that. But he's looking back at Hertz and realizes that Hertz is going to have to break the pocket and watch him just turn his hips and he runs to the sideline. That's a savvy vet move. Hertz makes the ball, makes the pass. It gets tipped. Uh, Julio Jones brings it in anyways for a touchdown. I think that's really good. That's really good scramble drill. And we don't see good scramble drill a lot from the Eagles receivers. We've talked about that before. The other one uh, is the Dallas Goddard touchdown. And I don't like this play, but the result turns out good because it looks like at the snap, the number one read here is to AJ Brown, who I think is probably on a choice route where he could break in or out. Right. The problem is he's bracketed. They've got two guys playing inside out on AJ Brown. I feel like that's pretty easy to see before the snap and you should probably get into something else here. Um, but for whatever reason, this is still what we run and it's not open. Like there's nothing that's going to be open here. Now Hertz doesn't need to bail from this pocket. But he clearly, like, there's nothing else going on. I mean, if he stands in there, he could go to DeAndre Swift on a cornerback, but you don't expect that to get open. So he's just going to bail out, and he buys some time, and you get Dallas Goddard working to the sideline. You probably get what should be pass interference on Devontae Smith, but it's a touchdown. And again, this is Hurts. This time it's out of the back of the pocket, but he gets out of the back of the pocket, and he keeps his eyes downfield, and he throws this later than I would like. This isn't as good of a scramble drill play as the previous one, because really this ball should be out right now. I mean, you look, Goddard is wide open and he's still inside the numbers. And he takes like four more steps and then throws it and Goddard has to tap his toes. But at the end of the day, it's a touchdown. So two times in this game, Hertz got out of structure to create touchdowns. And I like seeing that. Like That's when Hertz is at his best, when you can use him a little in the running game. You can use him to extend plays. Uh, and create out of structure. I thought that was really good from Hertz. Yeah, and I think uh, my final point for this uh, on that, Shane, is that that's coaching as well. Like, I, I use this phrase, which is a terrible phrase in my article when it comes up, but structured out of structure. Like, you can coach out of structure, which sounds fundamentally like uh, it shouldn't be possible, but that is coaching. Like, you coach players. Now, Julio Jones is a bit of a vet move there, but I think that Dallas Goddard one is definitely planned. That's almost like a they're telling him, if X doesn't work, then do this. And I think that's brilliant. Like, I remember seeing a quote, and I can never remember the quote, and I wish I did because I would post it if I did. But there's a quote from a Bears receiver. I'm talking like 12 years ago, like a totally random thing I saw on Twitter. And he said that one of the biggest things when he changed offenses, I can't even remember who he went to. 
he went to another team and he said, I can't believe how long we spend on scramble drills. And I think we just assume that every NFL coaching staff spends the same amount of time on these things. They don't. And I think the Eagles have not been very good out of structure plays this year. So I now feel like they seem to be working on it, which is a positive. So I think we have seen this offense change. It's not perfect. I know everyone's got criticisms and I understand why, but the running game has definitely, definitely got better as the season's gone on. Uh, I also think that we've seen improvements from some of the passing concepts, like the out of structure plays, the blitz. I just think that fundamentally is not going to change this year, is it? Um, quite clearly. So I can't say much about that. But I do think we can go into week 18 in the playoffs with some optimism that the offense may be um, playing pretty well. And fingers crossed it can continue because the offense could have to score a lot of points uh, in the playoffs. They seem to have a chance. But just in general, I quite enjoy I quite enjoy watching the offensive late. Like, Compared to the defense, I think I feel like there's some stuff to build on, and I'm not like going to go mental about everything uh, because it's easy to nitpick every single thing. But I posted some stats about the Eagles' offense. Actually, they're like a top seven, eight offense. Jalen Hurts is a top six, seven quarterback this year. Like, it's not an absolute disaster, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, Shane, you've done it twice. Get the record books out. He's muted himself twice in one podcast. We're, this is happens when you run an hour 20. If you're still listening now, which hopefully you are, but oh my goodness, we've gone double mute in one podcast. Man. Get the record books out. Surely you that doesn't happen very it. often. Shane, how many podcasts have you done in your life? A lot. Thousands. I'm a newbie a at this. Even I haven't done the double mute and I've only done about 20 oh, yeah. in my life. Yeah, you're doing you're doing better than me now. I'm gonna blame it on I'm gonna blame it on the flu. We'll be good. We'll be back next week. Uh that is going to about do it for this episode, though. Uh, I think this is our longest episode to date. So um, sometimes, I mean, that tends to come out after losses. There's just more to talk about. I knew we were going to talk a lot about the offense in this one. But thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Again, if you're listening on audio platforms, first of all, five-star rating and review is really helpful for the podcast. But uh, we will be posting film, or I'll be posting film threads out. Johnny will re retweet it. Uh, once the podcast goes live on Thursday, uh, if you are if you want to watch it on YouTube where you can see what we're talking about, because we're drawing on the screen and talking about things, you can certainly head over there and do that as well. Uh, it's the same clips that I'll be tweeting out just without the drawings and things. So uh, really appreciate you guys for tuning into the show. Uh, we are rapidly approaching the off season. And so Johnny and I were visiting briefly before we hit record about what we're going to do this off season. If you guys have things you would like to see from us this offseason, uh, hit me up in the DMs. You could hit Johnny up as well. Let us know. Uh, we want to keep this podcast going throughout the offseason. We want to do things that would be beneficial for you guys. So let us know if you've got ideas. Uh, we're certainly open to crowdsourcing that. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode. We will catch you guys next week, breaking down the Eagles regular season finale against the Giants and getting you guys ready for the playoffs.